Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show. We're on our way to Washington, D.C. Oh, well, the All Blacks are anyway. Uh, in fact, they're already there, I think, um, as they prepare for their opening game of their tour or, or the end of year tour uh, against the USA, which, uh, let's be honest, um, should be a comfortable win for them. But we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about uh, the Wallabies opening game of their uh, end of year tour, which is against Japan as well. Um, and then also the uh, the sad news of uh, Sean Wainui. And we'll probably also touch on uh, Moana Pacifica and uh, their signings. Uh, I'm Paul and uh, be your host this evening here on the on uh, the Driving Wall Show. And uh, joining me, um, I've uh, first up got Boa. How are you doing, sir? Well, well, thanks. And uh, cure everyone. Yeah, look, a bit of a somber note to start uh, the week, really, with uh, the passing of the brilliant, very young, Sean by Nui. I have to say I was quite stunned when I heard the news and it uh, took a few minutes before it sank in. So really sad news and it's really been felt right across uh, the rugby community, not just here in Aotearoa, but right around the world. Um, and of course, yeah, as you said, you know, quite a few things happening in the background as well, but lovely to be here. I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe and uh, absolute pleasure to be on the show as always, Paul. Thank you, Rich Bowen. Yes, we'll get into that. But first, before we do get into talking about things, I'll bring in Stephen. How are you doing, sir? Yeah, very good. Uh, thank you, Paul. Great, always great to be on the uh, uh, TDM. And I uh, just want to echo what uh, Boa has um, uh, how Boa has actually started the show. Yeah, very, very uh, sad occasion for the rugby community. Uh, absolutely. And Sean Wainui, uh, a, a player who always played with a smile on his face and looks to be enjoying the game. Uh, which is how we we, we like to see it. Um, leaves behind, unfortunately, a young family as well, uh, who will obviously now be without a dad, which is very sad. Um, and uh, a player who I hadn't realised had been down at uh, um, the uh, the Crusaders uh, initially, but helped them with the setup of their um, hacker down there. Uh, and as a player who had great mana in the community, as you as um, and I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, folks, but. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? It was yeah, a, a, a player of great character um, and uh, uh, who, who uh, wore his culture uh, on his sleeve and, uh, and, and, and showed it off to the best possible way as well. Um, 
any particular sort of memories or, 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 or thoughts you guys would like to share um, about Sean Wainu? Yeah, I'll, listen, I'll just, it, it'd be remiss of us to sort of mention how this talented youngster started his career. Now, he's a product of, um, unbelievably, he was born in a place called uh, uh, Whatatutu, which is um, uh, pretty down, pretty much down near the Kaimai Ranges, I think, or down in the Bay, Bay of Plenty. So, um, um, started off as a young fella, but he also attended Mount Albert Grammar School. And uh, Takapuna Grammar was, you know, not really known as a as a as a rugby rugby school. If you think of the North Harbour uh, secondary schools, and um, he was spotted from there as a teenager, and uh, in fact picked up by Colin Cooper and taken down to Taranaki as a as a youngster. Played fifty three games for Taranaki between <clears throat> two thousand and fourteen and two thousand and twenty. But in two thousand and sixteen, he was picked up by the Crusaders. Played nine games for the Crusaders, and of course moved to the Chiefs. It almost seemed like he was at peace. Uh, should I should I say you know just a probably a province that um, pretty much emphasised everything Tikanga Maori and um, played forty four games for the Chiefs. And of course this year we saw him uh, transfer to the Bay of Plenty Steamers. And um, of course, he's he's one of these kids that's really impressionable, really, really likable, real athlete as as well, Paul. So yeah, it's just, like times like this, just no words. You you really don't know what to say. And of course, he leaves behind a couple of couple of young babies and a, and a wife. And uh, of course, I've got to know Sean through his... Um, his dad, who's heavily involved in the Wakama community, has a, a couple of other siblings, two other brothers um, and a sister, all paddlers as well. And in fact, Luke, I think, played senior rugby for Takapuna over the shore as well. So, yeah, it's a little bit close to home, if you know what I mean, guys. And um, as Ba will probably reference me, the, the rugby union, the New Zealand rugby union community is not that big when you think about it at the end of the day. And yeah, just before Bell comes in there, Nick Lockton says, yeah, that uh, he hadn't realised how young he was. And yes, that's because and at the age of 18, was selected for the Maori All Blacks. I mean, he's, yeah, so um, even though he's only 25, he was, he's been around for like seven years uh, at uh, practically international level, which is uh, which, which is amazing. But um, but yeah, and, and Bell, are you, um, any, any sort of thoughts or, or memories? Yeah, well, do, do really vivid thoughts was when actually he was playing for Takapuna Grammar and as rightly Steve uh, mentioned, Takapuna Grammar, not necessarily known for rugby. And he was, you know, he was the man. He was the captain of the first 15, a real talent. Uh, and he had wheels to burn. And of course, he was a member of the Junior All Blacks, which won the world title, beating the English juniors, I think, back in 2016. Mm -hmm. so that team had an assortment of stars who've now uh, graduated to the, the senior ranks. And uh, again, he was a very key instrumental player. And of course, he was one of those guys who was very laid back, and you know nothing seemed to phase him, or even uh, you know under absolute pressure and adversity, he was just you know cool, calm, and collected. And he did his job, which was score tries. And if you recall, last season he got four for the Chiefs in one particular game. I can't quite or five. I'm making five. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, just uh, it, gentlemen, the, the, the reality is it. it it hurts a lot to actually think that this guy, this kid has actually left us mm. uh, because I think the best of him was yet to come. And I think that's the most difficult thing to digest. And just looking at, uh, you know, pretty much everyone's, everyone who's connected to rugby in some form of shape and fans on their social media walls, you know, there were tributes to this young man. 
and uh, fans from right across the world. So it's, it's, it's really made an impression uh, of grief right across the rugby union community, right across the world. Um, and, you know, our thoughts are with his young family. And it was very heartbreaking to see some of those videos with him and his young child um, and to think that he's no longer there. So rest in peace, Sean Wainui. Uh, you certainly left a great impression in many a heart. Absolutely. And you, you talk about his laid back attitude, but uh, one of the things that Neil Barnes talked about, uh, who obviously who was one of his coaches at um, at the Chiefs, was just how well prepared he was for every game. So whilst he may have come across as relaxed and laid back, uh, there, was an, there was a very good work ethic behind that um, as well. Just not a stressed and um, and hyper work ethic, but, mm. but a, a diligent work ethic, work, work ethic um, which is great to... Um, Great to see. Paul, Paul, I was about to say as well, the word mana sometimes gets banded around quite easily, but uh, boy, this kid, <clears throat> he, he oozed of mana, and I saw a perfect example, if I can quickly tell one story. Um, uh, they had Ross Wright had played his 100th game for the Northland Tanifa, and um, Sean took upon, him on, upon himself to um, basically do a mihi, and that's a, a speech to uh, Ross Wright and the rest of the boys from the Northern Rugby Union. And uh, beautifully fluent in Te Reo Māori, he got up and you could have heard a pin drop. Such is the respect for this young man. You know, at the time you kind of forget, wow, is this guy only in his, in his mid-twenties? Just absolutely outstanding. So listen, from the from really from the bottom of our, our hearts, Mioku um, Fukari. Um, rest in peace. Just, yeah, sometimes even finding the right words to say is, uh, is damn hard, guys. Just like I said, little bit too, little bit too close to home. And hey, wherever you are around the country, man, just. Give your give your whanau a bit of a hug at, at this stage and stay safe, everybody. Absolutely, yeah. folks. Remember, yeah, this is a, yeah, a reminder that uh, to yeah make the most of the day uh, and uh, yeah and, and to say hi to those dogs. Uh, Steve, look, we've got a global audience, so we've here, and I'll be on some one of those who don't understand what you just said. Then, oh, yep. Just just basically, um, our, our thoughts are um, with his family at at this at this sad time and. Basically, on on your on your on your journey, travel well. Thank you, Steve. Well, very well said. Uh, this um, weekend, we there will obviously be two tributes to that. We'll start off on uh, Friday night with Otago versus Canterbury, and two provinces he wasn't involved with. But um, on uh, Saturday, there'll be uh, Taranaki versus Manawa two at two o'clock. Obviously, uh, he played uh, for several years in uh, Taranaki, so there'll be obviously uh, be. Uh, um, some remembrance on at that one. Uh, that's followed by Wellington versus Southland. That is a non-competition game this weekend. Um, and then we have a Ranfurly Shield challenge between Hawks Bay and Waikato at uh, 7 p.m. on Saturday. So that's going to be um, the uh, clearly the, the game. Or the end. A lot of us will be focusing on this weekend. On Sunday, uh, Bay of Plenty will take on Northland in uh, Tauranga Domain, and uh, I will be at that game folks so look out for uh, post-match um, interviews at that game and also obviously with Sean Wayne being a current player or well, 
was part of the current squad at uh, Bay of Plenty. Uh, I'd expect there'll be plenty of uh, um, pieces of, of remembrance for him there as, at that game as well. There is also, there will also, I think, uh, so we'll be due a, a pre-game to that one, um, which is raising money, I think, for um, uh, cancer um, as well. So uh, I won't be able to get to that one, but to the pre-game. But if you are uh, in Tauranga, then uh, look, things do kick off early at Tauranga Domain um, at around about sort of 12, 11.30 or 12 o'clock for that pre uh, that, that, that um, pre-game. So do get on down there. Uh, it'll be um, a, a very moving day uh, with also some uh, very good um, rugby on show as well. If you happen to be there and uh, see me in my uh, bucket hat, do say hello, folks, um, as well uh, for, for, for that one. Um, hey, Jensen, I think uh, one of the most vivid memories of Sean Wainui is, with particular fans, younger fans, is him scoring tries on that left wing, that trademark strike move by the Chiefs, off a line out, going to the middle, second man play, midfield, Sean Vainui holds his line six inches from the left-hand touch line. D-Mac hits the line hard, sights through the uh, two players right dead center, draws, passes to Vainui. Vainui has, what, 30 meters to cover, does so in next to no time, try time. Beautiful move, trademark Sean Vainui. And I think, uh, I mean, I've, I've shown that very same uh, video cut many coaching courses and I think uh, from a, a, a winger's point of view, a finisher's point of view, you can't ask for a better player uh, to actually show coaches and players on how it is done. So signature move, Sean Vainui, uh, and you will be missed. And uh, no doubt there will be some uh, pre-game remembrance uh, over in the USA when the All Blacks take on the... Um, uh, the USA Eagles um, over there. Um, Boa, if, if you were if you were Ian Foster, how would you be approaching this game, or what kind of squad would you be putting out there? Look, I think I'd, I'd, I'd go with a mixture of uh, youth and experience. By youth, I mean uh, lesser experience, so we can build some uh, exposed form and get some get some minutes under the belt. But at the same time, it's important that we don't dilute the squad and we win some key moments in a very authoritarian fashion as the side which is looked up to in uh, rugby union worldwide. Um, also, you know, he's been speaking about uh, the All Blacks being instinctive and responding and reacting a lot faster. I, I can fully appreciate what he's been trying to do, particularly in those uh, in the last game against Springboks where you know, now we seem to be getting criticized quite heavily for losing the physicality, losing the battle up front. So I think those aspects need to be ironed out and we need to put a dominant performance so that some of these players can actually pick up the form which they, you know, slightly got pushed sideways and making sure that this talk about being instinctive and making the right decisions are made in a way that, there, there are some true learnings happening. I mean, you know, scoreline will probably blow out. I think it's, uh, in, in my view, it's, it's a bit of a mismatch, this game against the USA Eagles. So it's important that the younger players actually uh, kind of streamline to this game plan he's been talking about and make sure everything is seamless so we cut down on our error rate. And keep in mind, this All Blacks group of players have been in camp for quite a long time. 
quite a significant amount of time. So they should really know, start to know each other. And once we get these combinations going, I think we can progressively build into the games ahead. So first up, obviously, the Eagles, a uh, bit of cannon fodder, to be frank, a uh, massive mismatch. So I think the right amount of youth, or what I would call lesser experience, with some of the older heads. And keep in mind, we have some players who've been out of the squad, like Dane Coase coming in, wanting to get some minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of uh, squad he puts on the park. But in my opinion, I think it's got to be a mixture of lesser experience with some of the older heads. Stephen, your th your thoughts on that one? Same, same approach. <clears throat> well, listen, Bar's on fire tonight. I think he summed summed every a lot of stuff up. I I probably want to say the only thing I can really add, he's probably going to have to give some guys who haven't had game time for a long time. I'm talking about Sam Kane and obviously uh, Sam Whitelock a little bit of game time just to basically get these guys back in the fold. Yeah, but I don't think they can go too wild and crazy and think to themselves, yeah, we've got some inexperienced guys. Like, I can probably almost see somebody like Sam Whitelock partnering up with Josh Lord in, in the middle row, or even Josh Lord off the off the bench, and just ease him in uh, quite, quite nicely. Um, like you say, I, I think this is probably, with the greatest of respect to the Eagles, it's probably got a bit of a glorified training run against these guys, but they just want to, you know, here's an opportunity to get some get some accurate accuracies. And it's interesting that Boa spoke before about the accuracy of the Chiefs' moves, the second second man play. I think this is a the perfect opportunity to get those moves accurate. But more importantly, I think um just get that urgency back up there. But something else I want to see is just I just want to see the discipline being really accurate as as well. I know a lot of talk about them getting out-muscled against the Springboks, but if you think back to, to the end of the day, it was really just a lack of accuracy at the breakdown with 30 seconds to go that handed the advantage in field position back to the Springboks. Pardon me, yep. Um, the reviewer on uh, YouTube, look, folks, remember, just remember these, these shows go live to YouTube, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can uh, comment on YouTube and Facebook or you can reply to tweet the tweet on Twitter. Um, also, you can listen to the show as a um, podcast to search for New Zealand Sport Radio on your favourite podcatcher. Um, but he makes, I mean, we've obviously uh, the Eagles going to this as, as massive underdogs. Um, he really says the Eagles at least are better than they were back in 2014. Um, yes and no. Look, they, they, they definitely were improving. Um, got wins over Scotland, for example, um, over the last few years. But this year um, have been particularly poor. Look, they, they went one all um, with uh, Canada. Um, who have not made it to every World Cup after losing to Chile um, over, over two legs. Um, and then they lost, they went one all with Uruguay, losing to Uruguay over two legs um, to not go in as America's one for the first time in a number of rugby uh, rugby World Cups. So, um, which means now they have to play off against Chile next year during the uh, July window. Um, so, look, they're not at their best. Let's be um, let, let, let's be blunt. They, they were, were better probably around... Uh, what, 2018-ish, I think probably is probably, probably where they peaked um, and uh, have um, dropped back a bit um, recently, uh, unfortunately. So we'll, um, yeah, they're not as, they're, they're not what they were, um, but they, they they should be on the increase. So Major League Rugby, clearly um, a, a good sort where, where all their players are going to have to come from because it's outside the, uh, the test window. So players like AJ McGinty, if he was fit, wouldn't be available. Um, uh, for example, so uh, look, they, they should be improving, but obviously coronavirus, the major rugby season being impacted by that hasn't uh, hasn't obviously helped them um, with that. So 
Let's go through then and put together our match day squad. Um, amongst the hookers, then we've got Amua, Coles, um, Tekilaho, and uh, Cody Taylor. Dane Coles coming back from or, or joining the squad after um, some injury. Um, and apparently uh, will be nursing a bit of an ankle um, as well this weekend. Uh, so I, I definitely think that he needs some time off the bench is probably how I would start him. But um, look at uh, perhaps start with Samasoni um, with Coles off the bench is how I would go. And um, for those of you on the podcast, I've got lots of nods. Um, so uh, we can probably skip past that one. I'm going to then throw a hospital pass to Boa because um, I always forget who's a loose head and who's a tight head. How would you go with the props, sir? Who would you choose? So before we jump to the props, yeah, we have to start with Tokiaho. We have to unleash the Hulk for 60 minutes. <laughs> and Nocturnal writes, said, we need some direct rugby. That's, that's what he brings to this board. And I think a couple of good solid carries where he, you know, busts the line for a good 20, 30 meters and drives some fear back into the opposition because that's what we lacked in that last game. And that's why we're getting criticized so heavily. So that is very important uh, to start with. Um, now, coming back to the front rows, I think we have to uh, start building some experience here. So I think I would go with George Bauer to start with at uh, Lucet. And I'd like to get uh, Nepo a little bit more game time because coming back from that knee surgery, he did look a little bit out of sorts, particularly against the box. So this would be a really good chance for him to get some confidence back. So for me, that would be the starting front row and get Dane Coles in at 59 minutes. And the other two, the other two uh, reserve props? Uh, again, I would like to see the... Uh, the, the, the two players who haven't had much game time. I were looking at uh, probably Tyrell Lomax to get a little bit of uh, run on form. And again, I'd really like to see Lomax on how he has approached the contact zone because, as you know, he's uh, he's prone to throw that odd rolling shoulder. And the word from the camp is that he's been working on this technique, trying to get lower and not take someone's chin out. So he's definitely one. And um, I, I mean, do we throw Joe Moody in there? Uh, because, you know, we need a little bit of experience. And, of course, Joe Moody is a bit short on game time as well. So, for me, I think that would probably be the ideal front row mix. Uh, first up against the Eagles. I, th I think somewhere in there they're going to have to – well, they've taken Ethan DeGroote on tour. So, maybe maybe an opportunity for a, bit, a little bit of time off off the bench for for Ethan DeGroote. Uh, you know, some of the boys that have, have had – have had the heavier workload. I, I actually think they will rest. I actually, I actually think they'll rest Nepo and uh, and Joe Moody, and they'll basically, for me, I think they'll pick around the around the rest of the squad. I think they might even give you know somebody to me that I think needs more rugby and starting rugby because he hasn't hit his straps is all far too long a fussy, um, and I'd like to see all far too long a fussy start and. Um, uh, on that tight head side with uh, Tyrell Lomax and also Ethan DeGroote off the bench for me. Um, there we go. I'm happy to get to, uh, to, to to follow your expertise on that one, folks. Um, the There was that comment about, uh, we're talking about, about the USA um, and uh, where they're kind of at. So um, I just want to uh, share my screen and bring up a, uh, uh, the, um, a, a graph to show you um, what their ranking um, has been um, over uh, the uh, the last few years, and uh, 
as you can see, they bounce around at, in, in, in the kind of the teens, early teens area. Um, they did get as high as 12th back in uh, 2019, um, but have slipped back to sort of 16th, 17th currently. So, yes, they have slipped back a little bit. As I say, they, they're not quite their peak of, uh, of, of, of a couple of years ago. Um, but uh, Gary Gold will be aiming to try and get them back up uh, in that um, uh, in that direction. Uh, moving on then to uh, the locks, and um, this is where we could have some some real interesting. You've already mentioned Sam Whitelock, folks, and Josh Lord. Um, the uh, we also have Brader Italic out there, and uh, uh, Toku Vai um, as well. Also, uh, there has been mentioned that uh, Shannon Frizzell uh, is a, uh, a lock backup. Um, in this one, um, the in, in some ways it would be nice to see Lord and Vai together, two players who play together at uh, Taranaki, two players who play together at the Chiefs, but obviously two players who have had well, one has had no international experience, the other one very little. Um, so and and Sam Whitelock not had the rugby uh, that he needs. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, Sam Whitelock and uh, Vai to start with Josh Lord off the bench, is how I probably would go. Um, for, for for that one, and perhaps not ask Sam Whitelock to the, um, the hopeful AC and ask him to be replaced. Um, I'll start with Stephen on this one. I was going to say, um, a message came up, I'm not sure if it was from Simon, but just in and around the 1874 Cup. I was wondering what the 1874 Cup was, so I quickly had to Google, but apparently that was when the first ever game of rugby was played in the United States, and it was played between McGill and Harvard University. Don't ask me who won because I wasn't there. So uh, that's what we're, that's what we're that's what we're playing for. Um, even 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 Stephen's not that old. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Not not at all. <laughs> um, listen, just on uh, what you were asking. Yeah, that for me that they're at least a combination those two lads, and I think you've got to give them. I think you've got to give them some time. I think our, our two because our two senior locks are going to get a lot of game time. Um, and I think um, I think it's best to probably bring somebody like Sam Whitelock off, off the bench and give him a bit of run a la, a la Dane Coles. So, so for me, Tupuvai and Josh Lord, they've got that combination. I, um, I, I, fully, I fully agree. I think we'll start with the two young youngsters. Uh, because you know they'll be raring to go, and fitness is not going to be so much of an issue. And let's get old mate Samuel Whitelock off the bench the last 20 minutes with his old mate Dane Coles, and it's a brilliant combination. Mm-hmm. And that would manage the minutes, and that's probably how high performance and the All Blacks coaching staff slash selectors would be thinking as well. And um, also, you know, we 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 got to start building combinations, guys. We this this tour. Is probably a really good opportunity to start building depth for maybe the next eight to ten years, particularly in positions such as uh, uh, locks, because obviously you know Samuel Whitelock, in all likelihood this will probably be his last World Cup coming up. So very very important that we start building combinations and let's start with the two youngsters and then let's get the old mate off the bench. Yeah, like we Sam Whitelock, thirty-three, um, Brady Italics thirty, but has had con- concussion issues. Uh, so uh, do wonder how much longer he will go on for. Uh, um, obviously had that uh, sabbatical in Japan and apparently is be- playing better than ever before. So great to see uh, from that point of view. On to the loose forwards then. And uh, wow, there's a lot here to, <laughs> to, to try and choose from. Um, the uh, 
one there was an article on stuff saying which players need to have big games um from this game and uh, they mentioned um Dane Coles after coming back from injury um the uh, they mentioned um Sam Kane they also mentioned Hoskins to Tutu in this one but also Dalton Papulihi and you're kind of like wow that's uh, already we've got three you're already mentioning three players there who could really could do a game time you've got Shannon Frizzell just coming back into the squad um as well uh, and I'm sure that uh, Kiriwani, Luke Jacobson would also like to have some game time as well. So, um, boy, oh boy, look, that's a, a real difficult one to um, to balance. Um, but uh, it wouldn't be surprised if it's something along the lines of Frizzell at six, Sam Kane at seven, Hosking Satuto at eight, um, with um, uh, Papi Lee to come off the bench. But um, is, is, is that how you would go, um, Bob? No, I don't think, I have to make a point, I don't think Shannon Frizzell is quite ready. His form line has been pretty patchy. So I would actually rule him completely out, at least for the next two weeks. What I would like to see is to start with Papa Ali and Jacobson, because I think they need a few minutes. And look at Hoskins too, to getting some ring time, uh, bigger pardon, uh, game time at number eight. And I would look to get Sam Kane off the bench, maybe for 20 or maybe 15, because again, Look, his, his form line, I mean, the last game he played was in the Heartland competition. So it's quite a step up from Heartland straight into the test arena, albeit, albeit against the Eagles. It's it's kind of like, you know, a group one racehorse running against group three horses. So we've got we've to gotta mix and match this. But at the same time, we have to give preference to make sure that we get some quality minutes. And I think Papa Ali... He hasn't had any minutes because of the injury. And, you know, Jacobson's been a bit unlucky with concussion, etc. So two young, dynamic, loose forwards with some of the younger guys coming in the front fight, I think it'll make for a real dynamite concoction. Like, you know, uh, get some real go forward, good carries, some good offloads, and make sure that they get combinations going. Because, again, just jumping from the back row to the front row and locks, there's every chance that, you know, we might hear in the future, Tokeaho throwing to guys like Josh Lord, throwing to Tupu Wai. So it's really important that we get that combination blooding in with guys like Jacobson and Papa Lee. And look, I mean, Sonsoni is also a chief as well. So, okay, he, he knows Josh Lord and the I already. He's had a whole season with them or two seasons with them. Um, so it's not, so yeah, so that, again, that's another combination um, there. Okay, Stephen, you've you've heard two sets of back rows that are <laughs> that, that are very different. Um, how, how would you uh, uh, play this one? Because I think I've got a funny feeling this is going to be the one that's been most contentious or uh, most surprising that we might see. Well, I think something that we can all agree with. I think Sam Kane will come off the bench. I think you can virtually lock that in. I don't think they'll start him. I think they'll ease him off the bench. I think if they start him, I'd be super surprised. Um, my number eight, yeah, Hosking Satutu. I. You know, he just showed some flashes of what he's what he's capable, but we never saw saw enough of it, and of course, didn't quite crack the crack the test side. Um, I agree with Dalton Papa Lee. Um, I think this is an opportunity. I think Adi Savia is going to have a big workload once we hit Wales, Ireland, France. Um, my six I was thinking about because I just love him as a player is, is Ethan Blackadder. But problem is, if you pick pick Ethan Blackadder, it basically affects the dynamics a wee bit, especially if um, 
if Hosking Satutu had to leave leave the field, all of a sudden you haven't got that specialist uh, specialist date. You've probably got to put Blackadder in there. And I'd rather see him keep developing in the sixth jersey, which is why I'm not going to put Blackadder in. I'm going to put Jacobson in, in the number six jersey. And that's really to cover the whole back row. You've got you've got two sevens covering. You've got two eights that can cover. And uh, well, I think I think if Kane had to go into go into seven six or seven at the drop of a hat, it's a lot easier than putting Ethan Black out into six. So that's my that's my three just there. Hosking Satuti, Papa Ali, Jacobson. Oh, you've got the same with Berlin. I think Sam Kane. Kane actually has played eight before for the Chiefs, but um, uh, so I think obviously not a regular eight, but uh, I think he has he has worn that jersey before. Um, Okay, then, folks. So I've been totally outvoted by the other two, so we'll see who who gets it right <laughs> oh, uh, when it actually oh. gets named. Um, uh, but boys, if you're both, if you're putting both Sam Whitelock and Sam Kane on the bench, and you're not picking um, Ardy Surveyor, who's your captain for this game? In this game, definitely silence. <laughs> Stephen's on mute, which doesn't help. Um, but um, so we'll keep picking. Um, but they'll, they'll, those guys have to think about a, a um, about a captain if they don't start Sam yeah. Kane. Um, yeah, Paul. Look, I think in all likelihood they will probably start with Sam Whitelock. That's that's my gut feeling. But from uh, from building depth and looking at you know managing minutes and getting people into what you call a progressive form, like it's best that these players actually start off the bench. But that of course leaves a question mark on who's going to captain. So. Be interesting to see uh, probably someone in the back division. It might even come down to someone like TJ Perinara. Yeah, so, yeah. I was about to say, yeah. Got you there, Paul. If that, that answers your question. <laughs> and I know the next question is going to be, who's going to be our starting halfback? So let me give the precursor to that very question. I think that gives you the answer. TJ Perinara at nine. And we might see Christy come off the bench in all likelihood. Um, the other person who could be captain is the other vice captain that was uh, joining the Australian Torches, Bowden Barrett. Now, do you start Bowden Barrett at uh, ten or, or Richard Moanga or even um, Dave McKenzie? How do you where, where, where are you going with that one? Uh, Richard Moanga, obviously, just freshly into the squad, having uh, missed all but the last game of the rugby championship due to his wife uh, giving birth. Um, so, uh, does he come in uh, for game time, or do, are we saving him for the uh, for the big games and give uh, Dave McKenzie a shot? There? If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Mm. I think, <laughs> I think, I think Richie Mawanga needs a bit of game time. We've only, we only really saw him um, enter the fray against the Springboks, what, 20-odd 20, 20 minutes 20-odd minutes to go. I think he needs more game time up his sleeve just to get himself up to speed. I think he'll start. No question. Uh, start with Monga, and I would look to get DMAC off the bench uh, probably last 20. Or even, you know, we might even not need DMAC. I think Monga might get some uh, solid game time. And look, with the opposition he's playing, we will, we, you know, we can expect some real fireworks. Watch for that kick pass to the corner. There'll be plenty of points leaking on the edge. So we start with Moga, possibly DMAC coming off the bench. Moving on then to the centres. Um, and uh, we could be seeing a, 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 a what do you think about a Quintapaya and Braden Enor combination in the 10 12 there? Two players who um, have uh, seen very little uh, game time. Obviously, Havili, uh, Rico Iwani, and Antonette Brown, the other players there. But um, if we're managing time, um, then uh, uh, surely those two have got to be your starting your starting centres. For for me, very real possibility. Um, yeah, same. I I I'd love to see Quintapai actually get full eighty minutes. I'd, I'd love to see that because for me, he's the one true uh, workhorse who's actually done the work, particularly at training. And I thought it's very unlucky to miss out on selection in that second test against the Springboks because it's a brilliant formula in that last quarter he played. And of course, it was he who made the crucial uh, jackal steal. And I have to say that was one of the, the only legal jackal steals I've seen in a long time because both his feet were firmly planted on the ground and he was actually supporting his own body weight. So I, I'd love to see uh, Tapai get a, a full 80 minutes with Eno. Um, Look, and I think uh, we, we, we probably have to give uh, one of those three out of Rico Ioane, um, Anton Leonard Brown, uh, and Havili a bit of rest. Just looking at the stats, uh, Havili has actually, Havili in that last game against the box took 13 full on body contacts uh, in carries. That is, that is quite a few, that, that is blunt force trauma, ladies and gentlemen. So I think he needs a bit of a rest. So we might actually see Anton Leonard Brown be the senior partner coming off the bench. And again, he needs a bit of game time as well because post-injury, his form line has been hampered as well. So Quintapaya, Braden Eno, and Anton Leonard Brown probably coming off the bench. Or nocturnal rights, how about Akiriwani at 13? Um, but there we go. That's, uh, he said that that's where he'd like to really play. But that would be an, an interesting tactical decision um, to, to, to play something like that, But uh, which could be very fun um, as well. But anyway... Uh, so you've already used up all your bench spots, which means for your outside backs, there's going to be no replacements or Antoinette Brown or uh, Braden Enel would have to slide out there. Um, uh, your back three, then we've got George Bridge, Will Jordan, Sever Reese, Jordy Barrett, and uh, well, we've already got Dame McKenzie on the bench. So um, I mean, Rico also can play out there, obviously. Now, look, Will Jordan got pulled early uh, in that game when in the first test against South Africa when everyone thought George Bridge was having the worst game. 
Um, now, that was apparently because he was not playing to the plan and uh, was uh, was ignoring uh, or was, was, was playing his own style and not actually what the game plan was, uh, which was uh, an, int- an interesting one. Uh, does he get this opportunity to um, to save himself, boys, or, uh, is, is, or is he totally on the outer, do you think? Gee, <laughs> you ask all the tough questions tonight. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, I feel very, very sorry. Sorry for Will Jordan if he didn't enter into a game plan where, if I think back at that game, he had very, very few few chances to shine and probably on, on, on most of the occasions he probably got subbed for maybe dropping a couple of high kicks here and there. So um, it's a tough one. But I, listen, the kid needs his confidence back. I think we we know what some of our other wingers bring to the table and I personally would play him on the wing. But that's just me. Um, I think I actually put it same at fullback because I think Jordy will be given a rest. And if you're going to put Dane McKenzie on the bench, then, uh, then I think he's going to go there. But uh, Bella, your thoughts? Uh, look, Will Jordan, no question. I think we will see the tour's first hat trick against the Eagles if he starts on that wing, because there's there's nothing better to get your confidence back than scoring tries freewheeling on the outside. And this is perfect, perfect, perfect opportunity. Oh God, no question. Will 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 Jordan will start, and I think George Bridge will start on the other wing. Uh, as far as the fullback, uh, yeah, look. Uh, I mean, I understand Jordy's had a, a, a big workload, but purely on his goal-kicking ability and his o- o- you know overall skills, I think we might see at least one half. And again, you don't want to... St- at test level, I have to stress this, you don't want to start a completely green man 15. You need to have some sort of experience. And I think the fullback is a very, very critical uh, position. And of course, look, you have to understand, this is professional sport. The uh, Eagles, they have plenty of resources. People are doing analysis uh, I have worked with in the past. So, you know, you, you're working with some clever people. So they will come up with certain strategies, i.e. utilizing the, uh, you know, 50-22. Uh, so, you know, I think we've, we've got to start Jordy at the back, uh, give him some, at least a half, and then see how things go, and then uh, shuffle around. But George Bridge, Will Jordan, tip early tip to score the first hat-trick if he starts against the Eagles. And Jordan Barrett at fullback. There you go. Well, the Oracle has spoken, folks. Straight get down to the TAB um, as soon as the team is announced. <laughs> <laughs> I know that I, I heard a bleep in the background. That was uh, that was my reminder from my TAB account. Obviously, we're listening in. <laughs> um, uh, um, Stephen, do you go go, go that back three? Actually, I think Bob put it really well. Actually, yeah, I would I would go with I would go with that back three. Uh, we'll see. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see. Yeah, we'll see if Will Jordan gets on the wing or or, or, or fullback. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see several resources get some game time um, as well. I can't see Rico Wani being out there. I think he'll be first choice winger once we be, well, once we get into the bigger games uh, later in the tour. Um, so yeah, folks, that's our um, what our, our, our squad. Uh, clearly, players are expecting there to 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 well need to show themselves. Our players like Dane Cole, Sam Whitelock, Sam, Cole, Sam Kane, Sam Cole, um, coming off um, uh, coming off the bench there uh, as they've not had much rugby recently. Also, players like Dalton Papilihi and uh, Antoinette Brown coming back from uh, injury um, as well uh, with uh, with with those ones. Also, this weekend we've uh, got uh, Japan versus the um, Wallabies um, for this one. 
Um, look, Japan uh, have uh, perhaps been a little bit disappointing um, recently, um, but obviously fantastic in 2019, um, but uh, not seen much of them over the last uh, sort of year and a half um, since then. Uh, what, 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 what kind of Japanese side do you think we're going to see turn up um, against the Wallabies uh, on uh, Saturday afternoon? Well, look, it's uh, it's been it's been a while since the drinks for Japan, so I would expect to see that Jamie Joseph will try and get his best and strongest fifteen on the park to start with. And you know, truth be told, based on the form line we've seen from the Wallabies, Japan will start massive underdogs, long odds on uh, to 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 cause an upset. And I, I, I in fact saw Dave Rennie make mention. And I think it's just giving Japan some due respect that you know we have to be weary. And we, we need to be watchful. But the reality is, you know, if the Wallabies can bring at least half of that form, which saw them beat the Springboks twice in the championship, I, I don't think Japan will stand much of a chance. That said, uh, the, the recent past, the statistical patterns show that every time there is a bit of a break or a bit of a disjoint, uh, the teams seem to just drop off the radar as far as the form line goes. So, uh, I'm expecting to see uh, a game which is not probably going to be the prettiest to watch. It's going to be a bit stop-start. There will be a bit of infringing. And I think Japan will look to put a lot of pressure uh, with their line speed or what you call a blitz defense. So they're bound to give a lot of penalties uh, uh, you know, in that, in that offside sort of area. And I think the Wallabies will be aware of this and they will look to kick as many penalty goals as they can. So they'll probably start with uh, Quaid Cooper. As far as Japan goes, their lineup, it'll be interesting to see who actually makes the grade as far as uh, fitness goes because obviously Jamie Joseph is one of those guys. He gives emphasis on, uh, you know, being, being, being fit and ready to start. So uh, a large unknown. It'll be interesting to see who they started, but I sincerely, sincerely hope that they put their best and strongest available 15 to start with. Otherwise, it's going to be a very, very long night for the Japanese. Yeah, bit, bit of an interesting one for me. Obviously, that's uh, the first of four games for the uh, for the for the Jap- Japanese. I think they go and play Ireland, Portugal, and um, and Scotland um, to round out their to round out their season. So, um, I think they'll want to start this one reasonably well. I'm just trying to think back to some of the games we saw them play this year. I can recall them playing the the British Lions before the British Lions. Uh, went, went went on went on their tour, and I actually thought they put in a a reasonable effort, but just weren't didn't quite have have the accuracy. I think they were a little bit bit rusty at the time. I, I think they may have even played the Sunwolves as a as a warm up game. They probably needs <clears throat> needed some more s- substantial opposition, and then they go on and and tour Britain as well. Paul, they played Ireland thirty and lost thirty nine thirty one in that game. Now that's Ireland without their without their British Irish Lions players. Yeah, so you know, listen. That what they've shown, they're capable of they're capable of scoring tries. Whether they'll be able to re- reproduce um, a really tangible performance against the Wallabies, up you know, first up, yeah, I, I have my doubts to be to be quite honest. They'll be be up against it, but you know, they're a well coached team. Um, they'll they would have been watching a lot of the the um, rugby championship, and you know, they they might have some tricks up their sleeves, but I don't think. I don't think they'll be good enough. I think the Swallaby team is on the rise. Yeah, no, I think uh, look, what, the Wallabies have only lost one game against non uh, against uh, sides that don't that aren't the All Blacks under Dave Rennie. Um, 
the uh, I, I don't expect them to lose this one. Uh, so yeah, I think that that record is going to probably uh, continue um, in uh, uh, in this game. So uh, yeah, the All Blacks and Ireland and uh, the Wallabies, sorry, uh, for um, are our picks for this weekend. Uh, we'll do our proper picks um, Thursday or Friday, probably on Friday actually. Um, on Friday, on Friday's uh, lockdown beers. Uh, so uh, do catch us at five pm on Friday for that. Um, but uh, there's an early uh, an, an early an early sign as to which way we're going to go. Um, with, um, with with that one. Yeah, Paul, one, one thing I have to say is uh, just with Brownie being in the coaching stuff, Tony Brown, you know, real real student of the game. And the way he coaches, you know, he has, he's very tech savvy. And I've, 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 I've sat beside him, uh, watched what he does. He has about 100 screens with all sorts of analysis coming in. Uh, if Japan start with their uh, first choice, first five, who's Yatamura, look out for a lot of tactical kicking from hand, i.e. the 50-22. And I think that's the sort of tactical nails Tony Brown is going to bring to this Japanese side. And I know he will look to exploit that as much as he can because, you know, the, the way this game is going, particularly with the 50-22, albeit an experimental trial law, uh, it has been underutilized. So if there's one guy in world rugby who I know will really utilize this, it's Tony Brown because... Boy, he's, he's got a great bag of tricks when it comes to actually kicking. And, of course, Yatamura has been an outstanding uh, tactical kicker for Japan. So that's something fans, punters out there, I'm going to give you a few subtle hints here. So if Japan can actually win the territorial game, I'm not saying that they go the whole hog to cause a boil over, but I think it's going to be very interesting and it will cause a bit murmurs and a bit of tremors in the Wallabies camp and make life very, very difficult for them. The, uh, yeah, it looks to be a cracking game on, um, on on Saturday, folks. I think it's five something or other is um, the um, kickoff um, from that one. Um, well, Turner Wrights thinks that uh, the 50-22 uh, tw- is going more into the uh, the NPC games. Um yeah, slowly but slowly but surely, players and coaches are getting used to it. Uh, but so yeah, there's definitely been a missed opportunity by a bunch of teams uh, to try and catch other teams on the hop before they got used to it. <laughs> Essentially, is what Boa's really trying to say here um, on this one is that yeah, there's definitely been a missed opportunity there with that one. But yes, no, it is slowly coming into it. Um, one of the problems we we are having though um, is that is yeah, I mean as Nocturne uh, Wright says. Uh, the referee didn't pick up on it during the Hawks Bay Canterbury game. We've got the um, uh, the commentators not really understanding uh, the 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 the, um, uh, the laws either, uh, which doesn't help. Um, so yeah, it, it is. It's and as I said at the beginning, it's one more thing we're asking the referees to keep an eye on during the game when they're already having enough to look at. So trying to keep an eye on did the ball get passed into the get passed into the half or not? Was it, where was the guy that kicked it? I, all these extra things I have to look at. Uh, I, I, I think it's a bad, a bad law to be added. But there we go. From that point, look. If, if if you ask a hundred rugby fans, do you know what a fifty twenty two is? I'll I'll bet you my bottom dollar. Ninety nine point five percent of fans won't have a clue. That's the reality, guys. So all that is irrelevant. But what I'm saying is, this is a loophole. Uh, a little <clears> birdie <throat> on the wire tells me that Japan will exploit, and hopefully on game day. The referees know the rule and they correctly award the 50-22. Listen, I, I think I'm, I'm just going to defend the commentators a little bit. I think sometimes even, <clears throat> even 
when you're sort of watching the game, and especially when it's around the halfway mark and a kick goes in, all of a all of a sudden, gee, where was that? Where was that player standing? Was he on his side of halfway, or was he was right on the halfway? There, even sometimes we are see players from inside their twenty-two, and boy, if you look at it closely, it almost looks like their back foot was had gone over the gone over the twenty-two in some some cases. But I think in the main, it does get underutilized, especially if you're in that middle part of the ground or that ten meter in between, sort of. Uh, 10 meter mark and halfway because usually if you've managed to basically set up rucks in the middle of the field and split the defense both ways it's a great opportunity for somebody if you've got a right footed kicker or a left foot kicker to recognize where that where that space is and kick down into that corner and it doesn't necessarily take a a, a big big punt you just have to basically you could roll it down into the corner i think the other one is also if you can is if you if you're 13 can kick um, a couple of passes out there uh, that quite often will draw the winger up, um, and then that opens it up um, for, for that as well. So yeah, so there are there are a number of options there for that for him. And as Bo says, look out for it on uh, on Saturday, uh, five forty five on Sky Sports four. As Simon has told us, LB says, "Don't talk to me, referees. I've been watching the URC." <laughs> now, um, and on this one, I, I I get where he's coming from. So folks, what has come to light is the URC don't have. A referees manager currently, um, which is just mind-boggling um, that there isn't somebody who is overseeing all the referees, uh, doing post-game reviews with the referees, uh, and that whole process that is supposed to happen and does happen in other competitions. So the URC, uh, yeah, have missed, have, have clearly dropped the ball on this one. Their admin has has, uh, has, has messed up, um, and uh, the coaches don't even have a, a referees manager to go to go to with questions, complaints, comments. Um, so that does need to be fixed. Yes, the URC uh, showing their um, uh, youthfulness uh, of their organisation uh, that it's not quite set up right yet. Um, Robson writes, United is readily available for the position. Very diplomatic. At the moment. Um, United they stand, divided they fall. But I have to say, maybe next week they can play without referees and maybe all this complaining will stop. And actually, we might actually have some games which flow because... I have to say, so far, I did watch some URC games. I'm a bit of a rugby nerd. I have to, uh, I have to admit, they were, you know, pretty drab and pretty boring. Uh, there were a few refereeing howlers uh, you'd expect at elite level. Uh, you know, these guys would get it. But look, it is what it is. We're seeing a trend. This has been ongoing for the last, you know, last decade or so. I'm sure all the South African li- listeners and our Springbok fans and friends will agree with me on this one. Uh, but yeah, very unfortunate that there isn't a referee manager for the URC. Yeah, that's uh, sorry, but um, we'll move on um, uh, quickly from that one though, and uh, let's have a quick chat about Moana Pacifica, who have been announcing players over um, the uh, last few days, and we now have eight players who have been announced uh, today. Sukopi Kepu um, has been added; uh, he'll be one of the uh, non. Um, sort of eligible players, as is Christian Leofano. Um, Inari, we think, is eligible. We're not entirely sure. But those are the first, uh, sort of the three marquee, or the three big names they've mentioned. Uh, they've also added uh, Sioni Tupolotu, Solomoni Funakai, Narai Fumai, uh, Henry Tufu, um, and uh, Tomasi Alessia. Uh, now, the way you read this uh, 
uh, pictures I put up there, the ones in the light color, so the names I've just mentioned are the ones that have been confirmed. The ones in the uh, dark color are the ones that haven't been confirmed. Uh, the ones with green are the ones that Stephen and I have uh, predicted, the ones in red are the ones that we haven't. Um, but these are the ones that have been rumored recently to have signed um, there in the dark colors. So uh, EC Tongafasi, for example, Stephen and I didn't um, predict because we thought he was still contracted um, with uh, the Crusaders, um, for example. Uh, so um, that uh, is why. So that is um, uh, that's that's why we didn't uh, didn't have him down there. But uh, Boa, having seen the uh, signings that they've made and uh, the rumored names that are up here as well, um, what are your thoughts on the Moana Pacifica squad so far? Yeah, look, it's 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 not a bad squad. It's not a bad squad. I have to say, a little bit underwhelmed in certain areas, but again, it comes down to player availability. I'm very happy to see they've uh, signed on uh, Kepu, the ex-Wallaby. I think that's a lot of test experience coming in. I've, I've seen, you know, how he trains with the county's Manuka squad firsthand, and he brings, uh, you know, all that experience and that influence, and he's, you know, he's a real leader when it comes to guiding some of the younger players. So that's a great, great signing. Nice to see Jordan Lee there as well, uh, albeit not uh, has, he, has he been confirmed, uh, John Lake? No, 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 he hasn't been confirmed. So, no, the, the ones in the darker colour haven't been confirmed um, sure. at this time. Sure. And, of course, I think uh, Christian Lilifano, uh, the, the real bolter, I think, coming from the Brumbies uh, background, you know, that structure and ability to make, you know, calm decisions at a pivotal position of first five is really good. Everyone else, I think, once the entire squad then... You know, once everything sort of gets finalized, it'll just be picking and choosing combinations. But overall, I think there's a, a little bit of ground to catch up for Mona Pacifica as far as experience and true. I mean, they, they need a few more guys who've had true test experience to actually be competing with some of the top franchises. But uh, yeah, look, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's taking shape. It's taking shape and I'm very excited. And what I hope they don't end up doing is with, getting some of these players in, trying to play this overly structured or overcoached rugby. I think these guys, you just throw the ball to them, much like the Fiji and Drew, and just say, look, guys, let's just go out there, have some fun, and let's score some tries and entertain. And uh, Stephen, your thoughts on the on the squad? Yeah, quite interesting. I see, uh, I wonder if they're going to actually be based down in the Hawks Bay and they're going to change their names to uh, Moana Pacifica <laughs> Magpies because there's uh, about six six players I can see from the Hawks Bay that possibly could end up in the, in the squad. And I'll tell you what, that's some pretty heads-up um, selections from uh, the coaches involved because, you know, you talk of Hawks Bay, they're probably the form team of the uh, 2021 Bunnings NPC at, at this point in time. So at least they are picking up some guys who are showing quality at this very moment. And that's um, that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, listen, it's it's building nicely. Um, I don't think we can be too underwhelmed because, you know, they're only basically working with what they're actually given. And if you think back to the original squads that we looked at a, a couple of months back, Paul, um, you've got to, you've got to say it's, it's probably better, better than where, where we thought, you know, we, I'm probably thinking they're, they're probably looking at about a six, six and a half out of 10 at the moment, you know, in terms of what they actually might end up, end up with. Um, yeah. Like it. Yeah, I mean, when we were predicting the players that we would that would be the um, non-qualifying players, 
or the marquee players we want to call them. We said that there would be um, Skopi Kepu, uh, a scrum half, a fly half, and the other two of you at lock. Because um, uh, I think lock is going to be the one area that we're going to that uh, that we need to see something uh, happening. But I can't. I, it's going to be interesting to see where are those locks going to come from? Because the lock at the moment is one of the most sought after posi um, positions in world rugby. Uh, because because physically there are only so many tall people around um to, uh, to 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 be there so um finding a tall person who is also skilled and also has the right work rate uh takes a uh, is, uh, is, is takes a lot of effort or uh, there, are, there are less of them so that is, that to me is going to be the the, the key one mike mckee again someone that we missed out and again he's yet to be confirmed um but uh, yeah he's missed out on um uh the what do you call it uh, on on the mpc through injury um, but wasn't is, isn't what well, hasn't been super rugby level before, um, so we'll have to see. So, uh, who are the LB says who are the props? Well, so far they've got Skopi Kepu, Jordan Lay, and uh, uh, well, Skopi Kepu's been been confirmed. Uh, we've seen rumors um, online around uh, Jordan Lay and Issa Tomafasi. So, all three of those have got super rugby experience. Obviously, Skopi Kepu 110 caps for uh, the Wallabies. Jordan Lay was with the Blues last year. Issa Tomafasi was with the uh, Crusaders last year. So, three there. Um, ones that uh, all have got, uh, I say, super rugby experience. So that's one of their, their more experienced areas uh, by the looks of what we're expecting them to be able to pick up um, along the way. So, um, yeah, so far, so good. Still a long way to go. Um, and uh, don't forget to join me at 5 p.m. every single day because uh, so far, um, whilst Moana Pacifica took Sunday off for church, they have um, given, they've they have released a, players, a player or players every single day at 2 p.m. Um, so I'll let you know who they are at 5 p.m. Um, with that um, uh, with that uh, with, with, with with that news. Uh, so do join me for those. Um, the I guess the final thing, boys, um, is that uh, is to uh, news that came out today was that uh, because of uh, the uh, COVID restrictions and lockdown at uh, in Auckland, that the um, Super City comp that was being talked about between Harbour or North Harbour, Auckland and uh, Candice Manukau will not be going ahead. Um, and uh, it is officially now the end of the season for them, unfortunately. So just two games uh, for each of those three teams this year, uh, which is really um, uh, sad to see. Uh, a whole bunch of players, particularly with Counties Manukau, who are hopefully who are trying to make a case to get Moana Pacifica co uh, contracts if they haven't already. Um, but uh, other players, again, who won't be able to develop their game or put their best foot forward. Uh, a real shame for those three sides. Um, any sort of thoughts or comments um, on that? Yeah, yeah, just just, just tragic. It's um, it's really, I suppose for me, the, the, it's it's basically the, um, oh, what I've got, it's sort of like the hypocrisy in a lot of ways. We see, we see a lot of people moving um, in, and, in and out of Auckland, some legal, some some illegal, if you know what I mean. Some for, some for other other means, and um, it's just a shame that these guys could not have been moved a lot earlier at North Harbour, maybe up to Whangarei, and of course, um, uh, both Auckland and Counties Monaco down to down to Tauranga. I really feel for these unions, but at the end of the day, players have still got to be got to be paid, from what I understand. And um, unfortunately, the unions are probably going to have to go back to the government, cap in hand. Just to keep things um, keep things ticking over, or they'll be in a whole world of hurt. Yeah, I mean, unlike the other provinces who are 
taking part in Bunnings NPC through to the end of no through to late November. Uh, they will only have to pay pay the players you'd imagine at the end of October because obviously they're not they don't have an extended season. So um, the uh, all the provinces are going to have uh, financial issues. Clearly, um, those three teams uh, have an issue because obviously they're not be able to host games, uh, and therefore there's been no income from those. The other all the the other eleven provinces have all got to find extra cash because the um, uh, what's the thing uh, the um, gone blank because the tournament is um, is is running longer. So, um, yep, we all just have to um, uh, yeah, financially, unfortunately, for these for these ones. Let's hope uh, that things like the wage subsidies and other things um, mean that we don't have to see redundancies from the uh, um, gone blank um, from the what do you call it uh, from the provinces, uh, like we saw uh, them have to do uh, a bit last year. Or some of the provinces have to do last year uh, as, as part of that. Look, Paul, I think that that's that is inevitable. That is, I mean, I, I have a lot to do with the particular community rugby in Auckland. Um, that that is inevitable. I mean, to, to to give you an indication of where we are in my club, we are talking about uh, cancelling our Sky subscription because we just don't have the money. We have to let staff go. We were going to hire a, a, a full-time general manager, which is going to be funded partly by the union. That's no longer an option. It's not viable. I think it's a very disingenuous sign of hypocrisy, uh, given that we've had so many people moving in and out of the province or provinces. Uh, most of them might I, I, illegally, and yet they've gotten away with it. And yet we have a professional team who've been in a biological bubble, who followed all the protocols. And we, you know, I have to say the rugby community, we actually go out of our way to make everything stick as far as the procedures go. Now, I, I can't speak about other people, but as far as my club goes, everyone who comes in there, we comply. It's a simple rule. If you can't comply, there's, there's, there's the road. You're not welcome here. That's just how it works. So I think it's, it's I had my say in, in various platforms. I'm not going to repeat most of those things I said because you'll probably get us in trouble. Uh, you know, this, this is a real slap in the face as far as uh, a professional sport who had some robust systems and processes in place where we have some people who have put a, a, a lot of effort and made a lot of sacrifice to make things happen, tick all the boxes, and yet be denied exemptions is, to me, quite gut-wrenching. And, I mean, I know most of these players involved and, you know, the, you know they they have they have a career to pursue they have a livelihood to be made and you know most of these people who have jobs in rugby they're taking significant pay cuts because all wage subsidies are doing is just a top up handout and most people in the business the professional part of rugby they're in professional business not to take handouts from the government they want to go out there do their thing in a safe manner and actually turn a profit so this is just uh, there's a lot of confusion a lot of gray areas the end result is Nothing has happened. It's very unfortunate. Nothing we can do. We just have to pretend that, you know, it is what it is and move on. It's tough. And my heart goes out to each and every one who has been affected. And hopefully, never again do we have to go through this rigmarole. Yeah, let's, let's hope they're not. And so, folks, please do get vaccinated. And well done to all the rugby clubs uh, and community groups in Auckland who have been helping with that um, vaccination program. I know I'm um, having seen. Uh, lots of tweets about that. So well done to them. Look, um, LB says, weird because people are allowed to leave the province for work, but rugby players aren't for work. Well, uh, some players have been allowed to leave for work. For example, Julian Surveyor um, was allowed to. Uh, so single players playing for clubs, playing for provinces, 
paper, other provinces have been allowed to leave. Um, it is the, uh, the the provinces that are within the group haven't been able to leave en masse. Now, part of that is um, a, uh, a um, what do you call it? So maybe a logistics thing. In fact, there's 120 people to do approximately across the three three things. I think they could have done it safely. Um, it's a shame they, and uh, it's a shame they didn't get signed off by it. But uh, I think that's probably what it is. But some rugby players have been allowed to leave, uh, and uh, uh, and uh, for, for work. It's um, so uh, it's not uh, it's not that no rugby players have been allowed to leave um, on that one. Um, folks, tomorrow will be the fiftieth edition of the um, five pm lockdown beers our broadcast. Um, which I'll be honest, when the lockdown started. Um, I wasn't um, expecting it to go that long. I thought it'd go for a couple of weeks and that would be the circuit break and we'll be back again. But uh, no, <laughs> we are now um, on to, um, I say, on to the, uh, what do you call it? I've got blank now. Yeah, the 50th episode of that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do join me at 5 p.m. Uh, tomorrow. Um, thank Boa, thank you very much for your time. Stephen, thank you very much for your time. Um, and I'm cutting things off there before we get to uh, political, both in, the, in, both in our chat and also in the live chat as well. Um, but uh, thank you folks enjoy the rugby that's coming this weekend stay safe get vaccinated and let's hopefully get back to normal as soon as possible mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's united healthcare insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company united healthcare insurance plans offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more one of these plans may be right for you if you're say between jobs coming off your parents plan turning a side hustle into a full hustle or even missed open enrollment want more flexibility find out more about united healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.